0: the your House of All Things Iceland podcast, where I share the inside scoop about Icelandic culture, history, nature, and language from my perspective, an expat living in the country since 2016. This episode is great for all of those planning a trip to Iceland, whether it's your first or your fifth time. I think you will find what I share about the Reykjanes Peninsula to be quite exciting, The Peninsula is a UNESCO Global Geopark, and according to the UNESCO.org website, UNESCO Global Geoparks are single, unified, geographical areas where sites and landscapes of international geological significance are managed with a holistic concept of protection, education, and sustainable development, which is awesome because that gathers a whole lot of things together on the Riquines Peninsula, which I honestly feel like, that is what best represents this place, even though it's not really known to a lot of people. I've had the pleasure of exploring different parts of the Yucatán Peninsula, and I even did a podcast episode some eons ago about this place. And the difference between that episode and this one has to do with experience, meaning when I was talking about the Recones Peninsula, I had been there a couple of times, but not really explored it a ton. However, I had read a lot about different places and I really wanted to highlight this area because I felt like it was so underrated. And this was like more than a year ago that I was talking about that and have been talking about with friends and family about the Reignes Peninsula off and on, because for the most part, it doesn't get a lot of love. For this particular episode too, what is also unique is that I did a three-day adventure exploring this amazing place. And in doing that, I partnered with Visit Requinas for this episode, so they're sponsoring, in order to bring you an amazing itinerary, a guide on how you can enjoy this area that, like I mentioned, is so underrated and Packs in a whole lot of amazing experiences in one place. What surprises me, though, is that so many people visit the iconic Blue Lagoon, the current erupting volcano, and come through Keplavik International Airport. The majority of people who visit end up on the Reykjanes Peninsula but have no idea about the amazing natural wonders, food, accommodations, and activities that are right under their noses. They literally drive from the airport to the Blue Lagoon, and then they're off to Reykjavik or other places in the country, usually the south coast. And now, because we have the erupting volcano, they might be going there, the Blue Lagoon, the airport, and then leaving. (laughs) So it's obvious that those places are great, but they are definitely not the only thing worth seeing. And I think by the end of this, at least I hope by the end of this, that I've convinced you that putting the Reikinas Peninsula on your itinerary is totally worth it. So doing this episode, I will break down how we, meaning me and Gunnar, enjoyed the three days that I was on the Reikinas Peninsula. It was like a long weekend. And in the show notes of this episode, I have an awesome free Reginas Peninsula itinerary for you to download. You can find it at allthingsiceland.com. So, along with it being visually stunning, because I feel like that's really important to highlight the beauty of the nature and photos, so you can see that. The itinerary itself has each day mapped out. Like I literally have a little map of the places that we went to. I also have the different stops for each day and kind of what was unique about each stop. And listening to this episode, of course, you'll get more in-depth information about each stop. But at least in the itinerary, if you decide to download it, then you will have that on hand to reference and be able to kind of mark off the different places that you want to visit. In the itinerary, I also included links to all the activities, accommodations, and restaurants that we went to. You can use the itinerary in any way you like. Some people might see it and go, oh, I want to do all the things that you have in this itinerary. And there's a video, of course, that goes along with this. So in the show notes at allthingslicen.com for this episode, you will see that there in the show notes is an embedded video of this adventure if you want to watch that. And just kind of get more of a visual idea regarding the different places that we went to. And maybe you see something you think, oh, I definitely want to go there. But like this other place is not my speed. Totally fine. Pick and choose from the itinerary, whatever you want to see and do. Because, of course, it's your trip. And I think it's great to tailor it the way that you feel fits you most and whatever your desires are. So... Feel free to take advantage of that in the show notes and feel free to watch the video, of course, if you want to see some awesome footage that I captured while out and about. One thing, though, to point out is that the volcano is not one of the places on my itinerary, meaning during this three day adventure that we went to only because I've been there already three times. (laughs) And as much as it's awesome, a lot has changed there for one thing, meaning the path, that was kind of made easier to go up to it and now has lava flowing over it. So that makes a little bit more difficult. And also I just wanted to highlight some of the other places that are there. So many people in the world are aware of the volcano and that it's on the Ricines Peninsula. But like I mentioned, not about all these other things. So even if I went to familiar places, like you'll see on the itinerary the Blue Lagoon is there. I did something different that I had not done before at the Blue Lagoon in order to make it really interesting for me. If the eruption is still happening when you come and it's still accessible for you to go there, I'd highly recommend for you to go and visit it, of course. So don't take this itinerary as me saying don't go to the volcano If it's possible for you to go, I'm just mentioning that so that people don't get confused about the fact that on the map, I have references in the itinerary, the free download of the volcano, like the little icon on each of the days of where the volcano is located in proximity to the other activities and like our route for the day. Okay, enough about that. Let's jump into this adventure. Day one was a bit of a beast in terms of the amount of things that we packed in. It was so many natural wonders We went to, so many activities. It was really fun. We spent literally the whole day just traveling around, even though, like I mentioned, like Recones Peninsula, there's for sure a lot there, but it isn't necessarily a huge place. But it's big enough that you can do a full day of activities and still not have done all the possible things that are there to do. So there were parts of the peninsula. And what's also really fascinating to me is that, and I'd never experienced this before, is that there were parts of the peninsula where it was raining a lot and other parts where it was blue sky and dry. (laughs) And so we just had like a bit of a weird weather day, uh, but we used it to our advantage or at least to the best of our abilities and in particular, like, if you watch any of the footage in the video, you'll see that, like, when we're in Gardaður, it is blue skies and beautiful. And then we go somewhere else, like Góndú and it's, well, it's later in the evening, but still. It's just, it can go from, like, being really rainy to blue skies. And so you just never know what kind of weather you're going to get when you go out in Iceland. That's for, even though the forecast says something different. It's important to note that we start off driving from the Reykjavík area. And we went straight to Seltun geothermal area. And the reason for that is that was our meeting place for our first activity. So Seltun is this beautiful geothermal hot spring area. There's like bubbling mud pots and really beautiful rhyolite colors. And it's just, especially if you get like a lot of bright light on it. It just kind of illuminates. And it's so fascinating. It's like a, like a feast for your eyes of colors. And why we went there is because we are meeting our guides from dive.is in order to go on a hot spring snorkeling tour. And I don't know about you, but I'd never heard of a hot spring snorkeling tour before. I wasn't even aware that you could snorkel in a hot spring and I looked it up just as a, out of curiosity and come to find out like it isn't something that people normally do because condition wise like it's usually too warm and just not interesting in terms of comfortability for people to do and why dive.is is able to do this on the Recones Peninsula is because they're using a special location so Klervavath which is a lake on the Recones Peninsula it's the largest lake on the peninsula. And its location is so special because it's on the fissure zone of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. So the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, for those who are maybe not aware or don't remember, is where the Eurasian and North American tectonic plates are ripping apart in Iceland. They're literally ripping the country into two separate pieces. However, because of constant volcanic activity in Iceland, it is always with the lava that's coming up from the earth, the lava is filling in and making new land in Iceland. And with that, you get like hot water that comes up and all that jazz. And with Klerovat, which is really cool, is that the cold water of the lake mixes with this hot spring and basically makes it a nice relatively comfortable temperature. I mean, it's still cold, but we were wearing, of course, protective gear and like wetsuits and all that jazz in order to be in the water for a long period of time. And another fun fact about this lake is that there is no visible water coming in or going out of it, even though it's always refreshing with water. And that's because most of the water comes and leaves underground, and underground as well is where the bubbling hot spring is. And so we met at Seltun and then ended up driving a short distance to Klerová, to the location where Dav- that, Dav- that is has like the setup. And because of like COVID and everything, everyone was wearing masks. We were not in the same cars. We all went into our separate cars and drove there. And then the guides who were super sweet, just really awesome and helpful. They got us into our suits which are fun if you're like me and have a lot of hair, like I have locks, which take up a lot of space and make my head kind of big. And so it was like, you know, they say it's like birthing, (laughs) meaning like coming through the canal because there's a part of the suit that is quite tight at the top and you you need to pull it over your head or whatever. I I don't remember what it was like uh, when I was born, but I can only imagine that it Feels uncomfortable, <laughs> and in this instance, it's not to the point where I would never do it again. But just to say, I'm not going to do it very often because of the amount of hair I have. But I'm sure for other people whose hair is maybe uh, not as voluminous, they can easily like slide through this wetsuit. And what was really fun is that we like ended up putting our flippers on in the water. And like I said, the guides are so helpful. And it made the process super easy and we snorkeled out. So we swam out about 100 meters, so not very far. But using like snorkel gear, which I think is great, is it makes it very easy for you. And, And meaning the suits themselves, they keep you buoyant. And I wouldn't say I'm the strongest swimmer in the world. I used to love swimming, but I have not done it that often. And again, it's a hair thing. Like my hair is long and heavy when it gets wet. So that would mean it would take forever to dry. And for this, I was willing to do that, obviously, because I'm going to be hot spring snorkeling and which some people call it like snorkeling in a champagne bottle. And I totally agree with this. It was absolutely beautiful. But just in terms of like level of swimming you can practically not know how to swim and you'll be just fine because the suit like I mentioned keeps you buoyant so you're just like floating there and you just have to move your arms and your legs a little bit and you will move along for sure and in the beginning it's kind of like just a sandy bottom when you first enter into the lake and then as you get farther out you start to see these bubbles and it's like it starts with like a little string of bubbles it's almost like it's teasing you right and then at some point it's just like a ton of bubbles and you can float over the bubbles. And I did that and like felt the bubbles like bubbling up on me. And I have all this footage, of course, that you can see in the video of what the bubbles look like. It kind of reminded me of when I was in college and looking at like a 3D model of like a bubble or not necessarily a bubble, like a bubble when you're a kid and you're blowing it out of like, you know, the little ring that you would dip into (laughs) some like soapy water or something. It's different than that. That's almost reminds me of like cells or like platelets in the blood or something. It's really interesting and super beautiful. And they have this silvery color and the water itself is a blue, but kind of hazy blue. So you're getting like this silver-ish bubbles kind of rising, rising, past you and to the surface of the water and in this like mysterious, but beautiful and calming environment. And I spent so much time just in awe of the bubbles and below where they were coming from because it's a beautiful area and there's like lots of rocks and there's different little spots of them too. So we were kind of on like a little bit of a hunt of being like, oh, we got to this area. and it's like, did you see that one over there? And you like swim over and you go and you check it out. So yeah, the whole champagne bottle thing, I get it. It's like if someone had like shaken it up or something, or if you were in a glass of champagne, you're snorkeling in it. It's really, really cool. It was a, such a unique experience for me because I've been snorkeling in Silfra before, which is in Thingvellir, And while that is also an amazing experience because of the clear water and how far down you can see, this was just very unique to that. And you can't... You know, for me, I don't favor one over the other. I think they're both really fascinating and unique. I was just so amazed at these bubbles. And I was just like, I want to do this again. Like, I didn't want to leave. I was so excited about being there. It just kind of made me feel like I wanted to invite other people to come along and check it out as well. The really interesting part is that most people don't know about this one because they're so used to knowing about Silphra, which is fine. But, you know, if you want a unique experience where no one else is around... Go hot spring snorkeling. That's all I gotta say. (laughs) So, all right. But after that, we were pretty hungry. We worked up quite an appetite. I had my Apple watch on and like used the water function. So it was telling me that exercise quite a bit. And like I said, even though it was easy, it's, you know, it's still some work because you're in this suit and you have flippers on and everything else. So we headed into Grindavik in order to eat some food. Specifically, we went to Brikjan Cafe and... This has some interesting history. So, Brikjan, before it was what we know it as now, is a cafe. It was actually a net making shop. And it was built in 1980 by brothers Kristin and Adelger Johansson for their net making business. And in 2009, the brothers changed a portion of the building into a cafe called Brikjan. And Brikjan means pier. And that makes a lot of sense because it is this net making slash cafe is on the pier in Grindelbeek. So the brothers always wanted to kind of further develop their idea of having like the successful cafe because people were getting wind of it and being really excited and enjoying the food and also the net making shop. And it never came to fruition when the brothers owned it. But after new owners took over in 2018, they worked on this idea and made it a reality in 2019 when they transformed the top floor into the Brikjan Grindavik Netgerden. <laughs> and so that's like the pier in Grindavik net making shop. And what it essentially is, and I went up there and they were really cool about me, like, you know, going filming around, is that it's a dining hall and they serve a selection of traditional Icelandic dishes up there. In the cafe, you can also get different dishes, which is on the first floor. And the net making shop is like part of it. So there's this transparent plexiglass that kind of separates the dining hall from the net making shop because that's still in business, by the way. It's not just there for show. Like they actually do make nets for fishing. And so you can see if people were in there doing stuff, they weren't in there doing anything when I was there. It's just the the stuff was the nets and everything were just sitting in there. But the whole point is, if you were up there having a meal, you can check out the net making equipment or maybe someone in there who's working, which I thought was pretty cool. The other thing is that Brikjan is well known for its lobster soup. They also have a plant-based option for soup. And that's what I ate. And Gunnar had the lobster soup. He really liked it. I liked my soup. And he also had yummy bread for the both of us. So it was nice way, like a Early dinner that we had that was really tasty, and we just had a nice time, kind of looking around the shop. It has, it kind of reminds me of like if you ever watch SpongeBob SquarePants, and you have like this fish shop, shop theme. You know, it has like the wood and the nets, and on the um, first floor in particular, they have things on the ceiling hanging down. Like it's it's really cute, and I liked it a lot. So this nautical theme in Brekian kind of adds to this whole being on the pier net making, fishing lifestyle in Iceland and Grindavík is one where fishing, the fishing industry is really important for the town, even still now, so it's totally fitting. And if you end up following along the video, you will see that we go from Grindavík to the Lighthouse Inn. And in the itinerary, I've changed around what our path was, just meaning what we would do ideally. And the reason why we went from Grindavik to the Lighthouse Inn is because I mentioned that at some point it was raining a lot. And, and I looked at the forecast and I was pretty surprised that like it was going to rain like a ton in most of the areas, natural wonder areas we wanted to go to until like 10 o'clock. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, now this could be accurate or it might not be. And we come out later and we can't film, but... We're gonna take a chance, but when I looked at Garder, like the forecast there, it was just like blue skies and dry. Right after we had finished eating dinner at Gr- Grindavik Brygjan, so Gunnar and I were like, "Well, why don't we just go to the hotel, the inn, and check in, and then, you know, we can do some stuff there and then come back out a little bit later." So that's exactly what we did, <laughs> and that was amazing because it was really just beautiful, blue skies, dry great for like doing a little bit of filming and the lighthouse Inn itself it's named that because it's nearby these lighthouses this old lighthouse on Garder and there's two of them so one that's older and they're both just really beautiful and in the room in the lighthouse Inn where we stayed we had views of the lighthouses and so it was just super nice and after we kind of got settled in a little bit like meaning our stuff in the room we later went out and then did some other stuff so we have a few more stops that we made if we're so we had a few more stops we made in the evening and luckily the forecast was right and we didn't have any rain but this was done in May so that also means that the days are not as bright for long as they are in June or July and that of course was Evident in the video, (laughs) but it was still really beautiful because we got to see the like golden hour, eleven o'clock, and all that jazz. So after the lighthouse, in we then go to Kvalsnäs church, and that's in Gerede. And on the way there, as you're on Sandgerde and like driving towards the church, there's an area for people who are bird lovers, for instance. There is this protected area you drive by. Where you need to go like a little bit slow and, you know, the birds are nesting and you can't, of course, go out and walk in this area or else you would be disturbing the birds and people would be really upset. <laughs> so just don't do that. You can stop your car if it's safe to look at the birds or something like that. And I, a couple of people were doing that because it is, like I said, for people who are bird lovers or just kind of interested in seeing these birds nesting up close to the point where you're not disturbing them, I think is pretty fascinating So we were driving along there and, and the church itself, when you see it, it's this stone church that has like gray stones, which a lot of, I guess, stones are the color. And the stones though, they come from the area. So these stones were found in the area and made to build the church. And then the wood on the inside of the church is driftwood from the area. And I kind of (laughs) joke, this is like, you know, sustainable building way before its time <laughs> in that in using locally sourced in that using locally sourced materials and has lasted for a very long time. Another fascinating note about this church is that Hakgrimur Pettersson, who is the famous Icelandic poet in which Grims Grimskirchia Church, so the huge church downtown that kind of looks like a rocket. It's named after him. His daughter is buried at this church. And it's actually on the inside of the church. They keep it, you know, protected. But yeah, it's just like these little historical tidbits. And they have a graveyard, of course, and you can go and like look around at the different graves there. Some of them are like older looking, meaning the style. And you can tell that people have chosen like different headstones and things like that. So... It was a really sweet area, in my opinion, and the church was just fascinating to look at. It wasn't open when we went, but it, I think it would be pretty interesting to check out the driftwood interior one day. So next up after that was the Bridge Between Continents, and this is a symbolic bridge because, as I mentioned earlier, the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, which you can find in Thingvellir National Park, which is a really popular spot. On the Golden Circle, so many people know about They know about the Mid Atlantic Ridge from there, but this is not the only place in Iceland where the Mid Atlantic Ridge is visible. Also on the Reykjanes Peninsula, and the bridge between continents, while it isn't actually stretching between exactly where the Eurasian and North American tectonic plates are, like I mentioned, it's symbolic. But it is, in essence, giving you the visual idea and also the physical experience of walking from Europe to North America. And so I thought that was pretty fun to do. And, you know, you can take pictures of under the bridge <laughs> trying to look like you're holding it up or something. I, mean, I did that, of course, because couldn't resist. <laughs> and the bridge itself is aptly named the Leif Eriksson Bridge because Leif Eriksson was the first European step foot on North American soil. It's interesting that Vikings ended up going to North America, but they left because the natives there weren't having it. <laughs> so yeah, so this just one area that I think it's really fun historically. And also, like I mentioned, you can be like, I'm walking from North America to Europe when just Managing expectations, it's not exactly because it's more than I think like a kilometer long. It's it's longer than what the bridge is. But like I mentioned, it's symbolic and it still kind of gets the point across. After that, we went to Stampar Craters, and this is a series of craters, two in particular, that are volcanic fissures that are prominent because they rise much more higher out of the ground than the others and the oldest of these two is estimated to be 1800 to 2000 years old. We didn't stop there very long. I was mostly just getting some drone shots of the craters. But if you want to walk around in the area, there is a trail called the Hundred Crater Trail or something like that, where you can actually walk there. There's certain parts that they don't want you to walk in just because of the fragile environment. keep that in mind. Just always stay on the path so you don't, you know, spoil any of the nature or mess up any fragile ecosystems that are there. Because that is an, another part of Iceland that many people might not be fully aware of is that there are certain things that take a long time to repair or to regrow. And so please just stay on the path. Okay, so next up is Reykjanesvite and Katlín Rock, this sea cliff. And I'll start with Reykjanesvete, which literally means Reykjanes Lighthouse. It's the oldest lighthouse in Iceland. The original lighthouse building was severely damaged due to earthquakes because that can happen, especially when you're in an area where there's a lot of volcanic activity. And side note slightly is that a lot of the people who live in Grindavik and the surrounding areas, when there were all the earthquakes from the a volcanic eruption before the eruption actually happened. I mean, they were miserable at some point because it would just felt like nonstop and a lot of people were losing sleep. So this is just part of life in certain parts of Iceland for sure. And the lighthouse, though, was repaired and still serves as a landfall light for Reykjavik and Keplavik. And like I mentioned, we were there at the golden hour, so it was really beautiful to kind of see that golden sunlight and how it hit the lighthouse and then in the water across from the lighthouse. So if you're walking or driving from the lighthouse towards the water, you will see this rock. And it's really a sea cliff that's just standing out there alone. And that is kachlin, which literally translates to the man. And maybe it's meant to be some like stoic, the man out on his own in the ocean being beat by the waves you know like i don't actually know i'm kind of just coming up with this as i talk because i think it's interesting that it's called the man just uh, in terms of what it could be symbolizing but it's a sea cliff and there are different birds that you'll see there like i mentioned waves crashing up against it it's really beautiful so recommend both of those and in the area itself if you do like beautiful cliffs off to the side you'll see more of those and you can walk around as well as uh, you can see different bird species. So quite a lovely area in terms of natural beauty. And just a short drive away, or you could even technically walk there if you wanted, but I think driving makes sense because more likely you to take a car to get there, is Iceland's largest mud pool called Gunnúkvær. And it's named after a ghost named Gunná. And she was captured in this mud pool by a priest. So I shared the full story of how this happened and why Gunna was a ghost that was haunting people. It's kind of a messed up story, to be honest. And that was shared on the All Things Iceland Patreon community where I do Folklore Friday every week. Like I said, the story is wild. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, I got a blamer. are haunting <laughs> some people. But the whole point is that Gunna is her name, like I mentioned, and Gunnu So when you're combining these two words, so Kvær meaning hot spring, Gunna turns into Gunnu. So Gunna's hot spring is in essence what Gunnu translates into. And what to me is the most awesome part about this stop, and it's quite unique, (laughs) a unique experience for me, and would be a unique experience for many people, is that Eytor, shout out to him, from Visit Reikinas. He set us up with a really awesome rygbrøyth experience. So rygbrøyth is a mildly sweet rye bread. I kind of think it depends on who you're getting it from because I've had very sweet (laughs) rye bread. And it's a traditional Icelandic bread that it only lasts like some days just because of the ingredients. And it was cooked for many, many years in the ground in Iceland. So the geothermal energy, the steam from the different geothermal hotspots was used to kind of like boil the bread. I mean, it's being baked really because of the heat, but like in some ways, you know, it's kind of like a boiling aspect to it as well. And I just thought, wow, that's so cool. And he's like, yeah, we can set that up for you the night before and it bakes for 24 hours and I'll just give you directions on how to find it. I was like, awesome. Thank you. Now. If you want to have this experience, you have to get a local to set this up for you, meaning a local guide that makes it, sets it up and gets it for you because it can be quite dangerous to stick your hands into this steaming area where this is happening. First of all, we don't want anyone falling into the actual pit, you know, where they do this, as well as, you know, burning yourself or any of that jazz. So visit Reikinas if you want to, a link to them and how to contact them and like local guides because essentially they don't set this up themselves they usually are getting local guides to do it they can tell you the local guide that can give you this experience at Gunnukver. i had like i mentioned i've eaten before but this was my first time ever having it directly baked in the ground from geothermal heat in iceland and it was awesome it was so tasty And it was just like an adventure of like going to find it and cutting it open and trying it. And it had this sulfury taste to it just because that the sulfur is what you're going to smell when you get there, like a rotten eggs type of smell. But it also has that sweet bread taste and everything and just the novelty of the fact that it was baked in the ground. So, yeah, I I loved it. And after that, we were exhausted. Like It was nice to have that snack because we had been out exploring but it was time to drive back to the Lighthouse Inn and sleep. And so like I mentioned, if you're planning to stay at the Lighthouse Inn, let's just say as an example, I mean, you don't have to, but the way I have it in the itinerary it would, is how would be best to go about this route, which is kind of an opposite the way that we did it. But as I mentioned, weather can play a role, and more likely in Iceland will play a role in your plans. So we were just like... Being flexible, trying out a different plan, and it worked out for us. So just keep that in mind as a potential for any of the things that you're planning on doing in Iceland. All right, so on to day two. We ended up having breakfast at the lighthouse and all the places that we stayed at, for instance, had plant-based options for me and then whatever the other stuff that they had for individuals. So lots of things to choose from, which I thought was great. And I'm sure they could, if you in advance are maybe gluten-free or whatever, like let them know because people have been so accommodating. And that was something that really sticks out for me. It's just the fact that they are like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We can, we'll figure something out for you. And it's like, thank you very much. I I appreciate that there's no judgment and also just some, a nice selection. So I had a nice hearty breakfast, which was needed because we were off then from the Lighthouse Inn to Vogar which is a town nearby in order to do sea kayaking. And I absolutely love sea kayaking. I've been fortunate to go and do it in the past with some friends. And I just thought that like, you know, and of course, not knowing Ariginas Peninsula in terms of the sea, like what we would experience I was just up for enjoying it and I'm not particularly very good at sea kayaking meaning like I'm not this like expert at doing it I've done it once before doing it on the Reikiness Peninsula but I did I did really love it when I went the first time and so this time around it was the same I really loved it and it was because I used a similar type of kayak that was given to us by the couple that owns Reikiness Sea kayaking of so there is a male name Brenyar with a R at the end, and there's a female name Brenya, and their names are that. And I just thought that was really cute. And they were so lovely. Like like again, we had to get into these dry suit type of things where you know pulling my head through. It's work. <laughs> we took took a village to help me out, but they were great, really accommodating, and it was not that hard to do in the end. And so we used sit on top kayaks. And what this essentially means is that it's a more stable kayak. There are ones where you can like go inside of them and they can more easily be flipped where you would fall into the water. But a sit on top kayak is not like that. They're actually more difficult to flip over and It would be a lot of work for you to do it. So the good thing is that I felt very comfortable. I felt very secure. I did not think I was going to fall into the water. Now they do have it where like, say you really wanted to fall into the water, you could (laughs) like meaning not fall, but like you wanted to physically get out of the kayak and jump in the water in your like dry suit thing, because it does have a part where you can suction it off and keep water from getting inside and like float in the water. But that wasn't of interest to me because like I'd mentioned, my hair can get pretty heavy, so I would not want to do that. The thing that was really cool and so like, going out kayaking, the sea was not very, you know, wavy or anything. We we weren't having any issues with having too much disturbance. We went a little bit farther out. It was like that. But we stayed relatively close enough to the shore where it was kind of calm. We had a beautiful, bright blue sky day and there were different birds that we were seeing. There was a lot of seaweed In the water, which later on, I actually got to try fresh seaweed. Not on this tour, but I'm going to talk about that coming up later in this day of of day two. So fascinating. And because it was like bizarre seeing it and then knowing later on that I was going to be eating. it. But Brynjar, he actually took us to this area where we could get out of the kayaks on this mound of seaweed and look at the lighthouse. And then also he did what he calls kayaking yoga like he had a name for it exactly I don't remember what it was but in essence you're doing like some meditation so we scooted down a little bit and because we're each on our own kayaks and we just laid there in the kayak with our eyes closed like almost kind of flat and just let the water like you're just floating on the water And, you know, you're feeling the waves and stuff. I almost fell asleep. That's how relaxing it was. And you can hear the birds. It almost felt like you were listening to, you know, one of those apps where it helps you fall asleep and it plays nature music or something. It was, it was like that, but, but real nature sounds. And I just really was just like, wow, this is so beautiful. And after that though, after he got us nice and relaxed, he was like, okay, so let's try standing in the kayak. And it's like, what do you mean standing or in the ocean? like why <laughs> this is you know, I, I could fall over. And of course, you can, but you could do stand-up paddleboarding in the kayak if you have a little like bit of balance. And so Goodna and I, on our like separate occasions, meaning he went first and and I did it, we both were able to stand in the kayak, and I actually like had some footage of me paddling uh, like as As if, you know, kind of similar to stand-up paddleboarding. And I was so proud of myself. Also, it was a lot of fun. And I'm fortunate that I've done stand-up paddleboarding before. So I know at least somewhat how to like put my body and like use my core strength to do it. But I was not expecting that. And it was just a really fun challenge to get up and realize that it is a bit challenging. I mean, if you have really good core and and leg strength, then you'll be fine. Or if you've done stand-up paddleboarding before, you'll be fine. But yeah, it was like he relaxed us to then it was like getting us in the zone <laughs> in order to then do stand up paddle boarding. And I was like, whoa, that was that was slick move. But I like it. Like it was a good idea because otherwise I feel like, you know, if it would been before the meditation, maybe you get a little bit too like nervous or something because you've been paddling. Maybe your heart rate up is a little bit. But this time we were really chilled, just tried it and it worked out great. So for me, it was really nice. Then we ended up going back to their place, their land, which they have white sand beach there and on Garda too, in Lighthouse Inn, there's a white sand beach. So on the Reykjanes Peninsula, you can find black sand beaches and white sand beaches, which seems really odd in Iceland as we see white sand, but it's definitely there. Afterwards, they surprised us because I did not know that we were going to have snacks and Brynja had made some bread So she had bread and tomatoes and some arugula from her garden. And these are an older Icelandic couple. They were just, like I mentioned, so sweet. And we were chatting in Icelandic. And so if you really do want to get access to Icelanders, like on the Reykjanes Peninsula, like I mentioned with this couple, for instance, Reykjanes sea kayaking, this is as like direct as you're going to get in terms of people who love to chat. Like they were just very nice and we could have sat there and chatted with them all day. And I just felt so welcomed and she both of them just sweet in their individual ways. And so I was just really happy to have that experience and it made us so excited for continuing on with the rest of the day. And and even though they did give us a snack, the next thing we went to go do was pick up lunch and the snack was delicious but we needed, we needed something more substantial. <laughs> we had been out uh, paddling and doing that for a few hours. So we drove over to Grindavik back there to Hutlu. And Hutlu is a restaurant where I am now going to be just making probably monthly trips to go there to get <laughs> some food. So their bread, their bread, I think it has like, kind of like craisins or cranberry or something like that in there. But it was like a sweeter bread and delicious pesto. So all this stuff is plant-based as well as my ultimate favorite, which was the peanut butter smoothie. And when I say smoothie, it's more like eating like a yogurt. So good. So, so good. And we even had like little like Prosecco. Like we we basically had a picnic and I, we just picked up a couple of different things that they had there and The bread, though, because we decided to get a loaf of bread, it lasted us quite a long time. And so I know people who are going to the volcano, they will actually go to Hiaohutlu, pick up food, and then like take it with them to go to the volcano because there aren't really like any food options there. Well, not many. And depending on if you are, you know, plant based or whatever else, maybe the food options that are there at the volcano, if it's like a, you know, hot dog truck or fish and chips that might not suit you, or you just want something more fresher slash healthier, whatever. I really enjoyed it. And I'm actually planning to get together with our family at our place. And I'm going to go there and get some stuff to have as a spread because I was very, very happy with the food. It was so delicious. So after kind of picking up our lunch, we actually met up with this Mari Jonsdottir, who is an Icelandic seaweed utilization specialist. I mean, she's a seaweed utilization specialist, period, but she's Icelandic. And she took us to the shore in Grindavik in order to forage for her seaweed, forage and eat straight from the ocean. Now, this is something I never expected to do. To be honest, like I've never even thought about it as a thing. I, of course, know that people eat seaweed. I have eaten seaweed, but always dried. I've never literally taken it from the sea and just put it in my mouth. And so this is an experience where I thought to myself, like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but I'm totally open to it. You know, like, let's just see. And she was so sweet. She explained, like, the different varieties of seaweed in Iceland. And she was showing us, like, you can tell she's, like, really passionate about this. She even has a skincare line that incorporates all of this stuff and I was just like, whoa, this is really cool. And we had things called sea berries and sea lettuce. Sea lettuce looks like lettuce. And I actually have a episode on YouTube. So even though I show her in the video for the Reginas Peninsula excursion and adventure we went on, I have a separate video that I'm gonna make of just foraging seaweed because I'm only showing some clips of her and I trying this stuff out straight from the ocean, but she explains a lot more. And I wanted to kind of give more time to this because for me, it was it was really special to do this. And I also really liked it. That was, like I mentioned, surprising. I was just like popping sea berries in my mouth, chewing them. And they have this taste like capers, if you like that. And sea lettuce looks like just like wet lettuce, maybe a little bit more shinier. And she was showing different types of seaweed that's used, like there's dulse and also combo. As I think it's used for miso. Yeah. And, and she was showing us where best to get it, meaning along the shore, everywhere in Iceland, you can do this. She even wrote a book about it. It's an Icelandic only, unfortunately. Maybe one day she would translate it. I don't know. But I just thought it was really cool that she has been able to like just go out to the sea, pick seaweed freshly for her family and herself and can eat it. it looks like that now you can't do this everywhere in the world because not everyone in the world has clean shores but thankfully in Iceland you can and hopefully when I come out that video it gives people a little bit better of an idea if they come to Iceland and they want to try it they can it's it's really not super special in terms of being like you're going to hurt yourself. There are so many varieties out there that you can eat. It's just more about making sure that you're closer to the water and it's more submerged where you would get the freshest one. Otherwise, the stuff that's been drier and on the shore longer is older and won't taste as good or maybe it's had someone step on it or something like that. So yeah, and to get our blood pumping a little bit more after that, like this is a jam-packed day too, but more physical activities... Then just the natural wonders, we ended up going on a quad biking adventure with 4 by 4 Adventures in Grindavik. And this is an hour long. goes by really fast. <laughs> and what's fun is that you kind of like drive a bit in this one area where there are shipwrecks. So you can see that in the lighthouse. And then we end up going on the road just in order to get to one path where when we go up on this mountain, so they give us these suits, right? And it was so funny when we first got there, Goodnuch was like, do I have to wear the big orange suit? We made us look like traffic cones. Like They were just not flattering at all, but they are supposed to protect you because it can be wet out there. And the guide was like, yes, you will want to wear these suits because... If it's muddy, you will get incredibly dirty, and we're like, eh, whatever. You know, we wore them, of course, but we did look like traffic cones, like literally the shape. And when we got out there, we're like, yep, this was a, a good idea because, first of all, good not—he was the one driving. I was on the back filming, and what was interesting is that he's very good at driving these quad bikes, and you know, I've driven one on my own before, and I feel like maybe I'm just more risk-averse, so I. Happened to go a lot slower, but for him, like he loves the bumps and like going faster, and you know, he's he's just one of those people that it's something that's more thrilling for him. I, uh, I'm thrilled by being on the back and not having to be in control of this vehicle. And we were definitely splashing. There were so many mud pools, and like, yeah. Thankfully, the GoPro that I use is easy to clean, and mud on my face, which was the only exposed part of my body, in terms of like you know. Uh, not covered with any type of protective gear. And we end up going to on a mountain where you can see like the blue lagoon in the distance and the geothermal plants and then in the other direction. So directly opposite of that, because the volcano has at that time or was at that time spewing lava like hundreds of meters into the air. We could actually see that from that mountain. It was really cool. And so it was just a nice experience. It was relatively quick, lots of fun, and it also worked up our appetite. Mm-hmm. And so after, we end up driving to Kapliwik to go to Hotel Berk. And Hotel Berk, what makes it, to me, really fascinating is that it's a four-star boutique hotel in Kapliwik, which I didn't even know there was a four-star hotel in Kapliwik until planning this trip. So it was FYI, there was... There's that. Like, there's so many things I was learning about this. Just because sometimes it can be hard to miss it because you. I didn't expect that in Kepleric, and I think that's kind of an unfair thing. Meaning Reykjavik gets a lot of the attention, and we sometimes, unless you're going to go like South Coast or something, we sometimes just like don't even we just turn a blind eye to some of the other places because you're just driving by them and don't realize that if you drive in, you might discover something that makes it feel worth your while and so this place why I was so excited to stay there and it totally exceeded my expectations is that they have a rooftop pool which also has a view of the volcanic eruption lava spewing happening so that was really fun now granted I don't recall the volcano still doing that but the pulsing meaning the Lava being thrown up into the air was something that just randomly happened, so it could randomly happen again. It's just the nature, I guess, of the volcano and how it's changing. So maybe if it continues in the future, we'll do that again. But on that rooftop, you could see it from there while sitting in a pool. Pretty nice. And the view is also nice of the harbor and the sea and all that jazz. So the rooms themselves are quite stylish and nice. But the part that was the most kind of appealing to me because I was super hungry was the restaurant. So their in-house restaurant is called Fiskbarn and Fiskr means fish. Yeah, most people would assume they do not have selections for people like me who are plant-based, but they do. And I think this is, I'm going to keep driving it home, but that's so many places in Iceland, regardless of their name usually have some kind of plant-based option and it still surprises me like sometimes I'm like I don't know why even bother and I look at the menu I'm like oh that's amazing (laughs) they're not just sides that they've decided just to throw on a plate like they actually have given a lot of thought to how to create an experience for you with this food whether you're plant-based or not and so I I really enjoyed that we had a five course dinner there and it was so good. We paired it with wine. So meaning like with every course, there was some wine selection. And yeah, it was a really nice way to end the day. And you get like these really adorable robes and slippers that say Hotel berk on them. So that's what I wore when I went to the rooftop pool. And I don't know if they do this all the time, but maybe it was because of COVID. We had to book a time to go to the pool. So I think you get like a half an hour or something of that nature in order to be in the pool. And that was fine for me. I didn't really need to stay that long. It's not a huge pool either. So, you know, it's not like you're doing laps or anything. It's just more to like hang out, relax a little bit. And afterwards we had a really restful evening. And at one point I looked out the window and could see in, because like I mentioned, it's May. So the nights were getting at least a little bit dark. <laughs> so I could see the volcano spewing lava at night. And that was just a really fun way before I went to go to bed, like getting this view, closing the curtain, just falling asleep. All right, now it's time for day three, final day. I know it's been quite a wild ride so far. And today is actually a really nice mix of relaxation, history, and of course, some culture because we need culture on top of that there was indulgence because i feel like we needed to treat ourselves after all the activities we had been doing granted for many people i feel like you know creating content is so much fun but it also be very tiring so even though i loved the whole weekend i feel like day three was like yay we're coming to an end but we get to do it in a way that i feel like it's a good come down so just start off with breakfast i had that at hotel Berk, which again they had different options for me and gunnar depending on our needs and then we went over to the rock and roll museum so the rock and roll museum allows you to explore and learn about icelandic rock and pop from the 19th century all the way up to modern day what i really enjoyed is that it's interactive So you can listen to music, you can play instruments, you can try to play the bass, you can play the drums, you can see musicians' costumes, you can read about your favorite Icelandic artist, you can watch documentaries in their theater. They just have Icelandic music documentaries rolling all day long. So depending on when you get there, you can just sit there and watch documentaries all day long. That's what you choose. And I just found it really fun and interactive there are, of course, some artists that are featured that you might have heard of, like Sigur Ros of Monsters and Men, Kliomar, Hjaltalín, and Muksan, or even Emiliana Torine. But there are, of course, many local artists from the past and present that you might not be as familiar with, like Puppi Mordens, which is an artist that is really well-known in Iceland, or, you know, different individuals, so... I just found it really fun to learn about like the impact of these different people on culture and society here, as well as just seeing some of my favorites as well and learning more about them. So this is specifically in Reikinas Bayer area. This museum, really easy to get to, and an interesting exhibit of things for those who are music lovers, or specifically if you have interest in certain artists that you want to see and just, you know, allow yourself to be open to learning about others. So after the rock and roll museum, we decided it was time to really relax. Just let all of our troubles melt away in the Blue Lagoon. And that was so needed and lovely. We went over there and I specifically had premium access. So I have had premium access before, meaning In this partnership with the Visit Urikinas office, this was part of what I was doing. So the Blue Lagoon, in essence, was like helping cooperation. But I thought it was really interesting because, like I have mentioned, I've been to the Blue Lagoon plenty of times. And all the other times were something that I just was directly paying for. And I do get asked by people if people, you know, they're wondering if it's worth it to go there. So I do plan on sharing a non-sponsored podcast episode, of course, about my experience with premium access at the Blue Lagoon and even with the massage that I ended up getting in the water this time around. So that was new to me. I'd, I'd never gotten a massage there and I have feels about it. I have feels about all of it. And to be honest, like the Blue Lagoon Just to put it out there, it's iconic for a reason, it is amazing for a reason, and it's an experience for sure. If you've never been, absolutely go. If you are able to go back and experience different things, I recommend it. So the massage, I just was blown away at how really relaxing it was. I absolutely loved it. And like I mentioned in the episode that I do where it's about whether or not it's worth it, I will go through like my pros and cons of my experiences. But in this case, it was just really cool to be able to experience that. i had also previously eaten at the Lava Restaurant. And this time around, we did that too after spending some hours in the Blue Lagoon. That's what was really nice because people get super hungry. And there's like different options for you. If you decide not to eat at the Lava Restaurant that is there, there is another option that's more quicker. All in all, though, it was, it was really nice to go to the Blue Lagoon because we really needed some time to relax. And it was a beautiful day as well. We got pretty lucky on day two and day three with the weather. So that was nice. And after the Blue Lagoon, even though we had eaten already, I could not resist going to Jera Stupid, which is a bakery. And this place steals my heart when it comes to vegan baked goods. So they have traditional baked goods, meaning like made with milk or eggs and, and all that jazz. And then they have plant-based selections. I have yet to find a bakery that I feel r- that rivals this place in Grandview, <laughs> And I live far away from it. And that's a good thing because I would be there... Every day, they're getting like a snooze or this one that's kind of like a Snickers. It's not a Snickers, but it has like this flavor, but way fresher and delicious. I just love it. I I really recommend going there. It's so, so, so good. And our last stop of the trip before heading back to Reykjavik was to a place called the Hot Stuff Memorial. And it's a memorial because it's a memory of people who passed away, who were in the military, specifically the U.S. military. And so Hot Stuff, which you might think of like, that's kind of a strange name for memorial, it is the nickname of a consolidated B-24 liberator of the 8th Air Force that was used during World War II. Most notably, it was the first heavy bomber to complete 25 missions in Europe during the war, which was, you know, a big accomplishment for this type of plane and also, you know, the bombing it was doing and the danger that it was in. Unfortunately, though, it crashed into Fagradal's Fiat mountain on the Reykjanes Peninsula in a bad storm when trying to make a stop for fuel. And this was in 1943 and out of the 15 people on board 14 of them died only the tail gunner survived like talk about incredibly lucky and also really devastating that everyone around you passed away in this crash and this storm and one person of note on this plane was lieutenant general Frank M Andrews who is known as the father of the Air Force. And he was, like I mentioned, on the plane. He was heading back to Washington, D.C. And according to some sources, it was known or kind of expected that Lieutenant General Andrews was in line for promotion to become a four-star general and possibly be assigned to lead the assault across the English Channel, which is a huge deal. And... You know, unfortunately, that didn't happen because he passed away in this crash. I wasn't aware of the memorial or even about this crash until planning this trip with visit Reginas, and they shared it with me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really fascinating. And there's a memorial, mainly because I don't feel like there is like, it's not like a big sign or anything. You look it up on Google Maps and it shows you where it is. And it's on the opposite side of the Blue Lagoon in terms of the road. And you pull in and you're like, oh, yeah, it's right there. This is like, how come I've driven by this so many times and just did not have any any idea? It wouldn't be surprising some history buffs knew about it already, but I was just not aware. And I I found it interesting from perspective as a person from the United States, because this is U.S. focused in terms of the people who perished in this flight, but mainly because the ties between the U.S. and Iceland are, are really strong, especially during World War II and after the war, there's so much influence of the U.S. on Iceland and there's still corporations in terms of like airplane, military planes and things like that that come here. Also, just from a history perspective, it is really fascinating as well. And on a side note, Fagradalsfjall is the mountain nearby where the current volcano is erupting. So that came up. In my previous episode about the volcanic eruption, maybe you recall the name. If not, I don't blame you. It's kind of a strange name in terms of difficulty. And it's just interesting to me that it's associated now with this eruption, but also has been associated with this plane crash and just like bad weather that can happen here. So after that, we drove 30 minutes and voila, we were back. In Reykjavik, so not far at all for us. It was a staycation, <laughs> going out to Reykjavik and it was really nice. And I just, like I mentioned, you know, I have a lot of love for this place, and it's underrated. And I, I really feel like more people could or would enjoy this place if they just knew about what is available to them. So for the random fact of the episode, I have a little story to share with you that is a little embarrassing. So when I went to the Rock and Roll Museum, I was so prepared. I was like, you know, had my camera in the seat and also the jazz. And my car is called the Renault Megan, So it's this French car maker, Renault. And the way that it works is that when I take the key out of the car and I walk away from a car, it automatically locks, which is fine because... A lot of, like, cars do this. And what's great about it is that if you've forgotten to lock your car, it does it for you. So I'm very used to this sound of, like, walking away and, you know, holding the key in my hand. But at some point, like, during the trip, I knew that if I left the keys in the car, the car wouldn't lock. And it wasn't locking. And it's in the two years I've owned the car, it hasn't locked whenever the keys were inside of the car. However, at the Rock and Roll Museum, it decided to lock. <laughs> so the keys are just sitting there in the car I'd open the door and it was a little windy. So I closed the door to go around to the other side and locked. And it was one of those where I heard the sound and it's a familiar sound to me because I hear it almost every time I leave the car. I was like, no, 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 it can't be. It cannot be that the car just locked me out. The key is in the car. Like, this is ridiculous, right? So if I, you know, maybe if I just open like the door, it will be like, no, the car's, the key's here. We know. And it's like, no, no, it's not does not recognize that the key is sitting there in the car <laughs> and this was stressful to say the least so I ended up going into the rock and museum letting them know seeing if I could get some help so we have like the equivalent of AAA, a and I'm a member of that called uh but no one was available and then the police weren't available. Like it was really bizarre, but they were super helpful at the Rock and Roll Museum. And they did not stop until they helped me to find a guy who was a local, like locksmith or something like that. And he basically broke into my car, <laughs> meaning, like, you know, in a way that is not harming the car. He used these like inflatable things to open the car up a little bit and then used like a hanger type thing to open the car up because once he saw, I showed him in the car how the keys were just sitting there and he was like, okay, no problem. And there you go. I, I got my keys out of the car. So it was not without some stress on this trip. I mean, just being a content creator, there's already the stress of like making sure you get the right shots and all this other jazz and saying the right facts and remembering things and or just being tired traveling around for many, many hours but this was the like, come on, this is ridiculous. I'm tired, <laughs> and it's the last day, you know. So that was not my finest moment in terms of feeling the stress. But the great thing is that while I was waiting around to get help with breaking into my car, I was able to go into the Rockwell Museum, and I actually I didn't have any choice. Like my phone, everything was in the car. I literally just, and for anybody who's like me, uses their phone all the time, you know, it's like this strange feeling to be without it. And I just had to release that. And I watched some like, you know, parts of documentaries. I read stuff in the museum. Like I learned a lot. And it's probably better if I start putting my phone down more often and read things or, you know, just allow myself to be without it. But yeah, this is a random fact of the episode, just... Give you a little insight into a part of one of those days that wasn't so pleasant. And the Icelandic word of the episode is van metta, van metta, which means to underestimate. Or in this case, I'm using it because I consider Riknespensila to be underrated, or people underestimate what is possibly there and just, you know, disregard it and go on about their business. So, don't be one of those people. Ekivan meta. Don't underestimate what is in Iceland. Different turns, you never know what you might discover. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode detailing my travels around the Reykjavik Peninsula. If any of the places, accommodations, activities, or whatever sparked your interest, I highly recommend downloading my free travel itinerary so you can explore this area on your own. The link to it, like I mentioned earlier, is in the show notes, allthingsiceland.com. And if you have been listening to the podcast, other episodes, this one, maybe, you know, a few others, and you found it of value, you found it entertaining, educational, either or, maybe both, I would greatly appreciate it if you leave a review and a rating on whatever platform you're listening on that allows you to do that. It helps others to find the podcast and learn more about this amazing country. So thank you in advance.